Life Has Purpose podcast. Oh my goodness, it's good to be back. I'm Ryan Bomberger. And I'm Bethany Bomberger. And today we're going to talk about a topic I am super passionate about. Homeschooling. Schooling, homeschooling, and all of the things in between. Hashtag school choice. Hashtag (laughs) honors, classes, dealing with laundry, folding kitchen maneuvering how do you load and unload dishwashers hashtag ap taking out the trash hashtag meal prep (laughs) meal prep 101 hashtag why are they eating all day long it's called pantry grazing oh my gosh they just graze in the pantry um i love this meme i saw which talked about do you have a refrigerator in your classroom at school no I didn't think so. Go find your school stomach. <laughs> oh my gosh. People think that this, what's going on right now, the mandated homeschooling, the crisis homeschooling, they think that this is actually homeschooling, but right. it's not. Mm-mm. This is this is a forced homeschooling situation. Homeschooling is not about replicating what goes on in a classroom in public school with times to do this and that. Homeschooling is my choice to take responsibility to understand and explore my child's learning style, choose the curriculums of my own choosing, and to incorporate a value system that I'm passionate about. It includes field trips to even places like libraries. It's about using life as a curriculum, going shopping during the day, doing things that are practical. Homeschooling is taking an intentional approach to making sure that our kids are being educated according to standards that we feel strongly about. And this is really something that you'll find folks doing in all different walks of life from all different religions and all different uh, perspectives. Right. They have a lot of different motivations for why they homeschool their children or why they choose other options as well. Right. I mean, but here we are. You know, because we're kind of in this lockdown sort of situation that homeschooling is definitely front and center. And it looks like Harvard is hating on homeschooling with the latest attack from some out-of-touch academic elites. Good old Harvard. Actually, law professor Elizabeth Bartholet issued a paper entitled, here's the title, Homeschooling, Parent Rights Absolutism Versus Child Rights to Education and Protection. Because those things, I guess, are mutually Mm. exclusive. You can either have one or you can have the other. Mm -mm. But a better title for this would be, we know nothing about homeschooling, (laughs) but we want to ban it. But we just want to ban it. Oh my gosh. Please tell us what this is actually about. So Bartholet even goes on to say, she says, and this is a direct quote, homeschooling regime poses real dangers to children and to society. Children are at serious risk of losing out on opportunities to learn things that are essential for employment and for exercising meaningful choices in their future lives. It's actually frightening to think that some something with such incredible misinformation is being peddled and is actually being um, put out there as a source of educational expertise. I guess expertise has a whole different meaning. I mean, she also absurdly laments, and this is another quote, people can homeschool who've never gone to school themselves or who don't read or write themselves, as if this is the rule. 
I know. I'm just I, sitting here shaking my head. It's, it's 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 so absurd. But yet the illustrated image used in the article talking about this paper with Elizabeth Bartholet had an image of a child in a house of books. Right. And bars on the window. Bars on the window. Yes. It was the homeschool child behind bars. Mm. While the, the public school students, they were all running and frolicking mm-hmm. outside. But the, the house was made of books, you know, reading and writing. And then it's misspelled arithmetic. <laughs> Come on, Harvard Magazine. Do you not know how to spell arithmetic? But this is the absurdity of all this. I mean, they, they want to just trash homeschooling and in the process reveal their own ignorance on so many levels. Right. You know, she she claims that children, quote, should grow up exposed to democratic values, ideas about non-discrimination and tolerance of other people's viewpoints. But then she goes on to call homeschoolers religious mm-hmm. extremists, bigots, misogynists, <laughs> Racist and racist. You know, I'm brown, and apparently I'm teaching my brown children. We're teaching our brown children that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, white supremacy is the way to go. Come on. Right. What does she say? She says something like, um, they question science, promote female subservience. Shut up, woman. And white supremacy. It's such sloppy bigotry. Can that's great. Even? That's a way. That's a great way of putting. It. I can't even stand it. It's so upsetting to me. This is the reality when you get these Ivy League academic elites trying to tell everyday Americans this is the way it is. I'm mm-hmm. like, you are so out of touch. Right. How long have you been in the whole educational system? I mean, she graduated from Harvard. Right. And I don't know how long she was out in the real world, but it's amazing. Well, where she did her research. Yeah. And what homeschooler she was trying to uh, research. And touch base with because this is not even remotely indicative of, of homeschool families. In fact, hon, homeschooling has doubled in the last 20 years. And that's a statistic from the National Center for Education Statistics, which is the federally funded arm of the Department of Education. There is a reason why it is doubling. And as you know, and if you've known me or if you've heard me speak or even if I shared on other podcasts that my background is education, my undergraduate degree is a bachelor in education. I taught elementary education, went back to school, got my master's degree. Educational leadership was my emphasis there. And so I was in the classrooms. I've taught in public school for many years, private school. And then my last few years were inner city schools. And now I've homeschooled my oldest daughter's 15. And the majority of the years have been homeschooling. I will say for the record that I, like many other homeschool parents, choose each year what is best for our children. And it is part of our job as a parent to pray about and to think about and to understand what resources are available for our children. Right. And that's for parents, no matter what socioeconomic background they're from. Parents are the ones who have the best interests of the child at heart, not the state. No. But Bartholetta has a whole different perspective when it comes to children and the state. Folks like Bartholet advocate that parents have no rights to their own children. Wait, wait, hold on. Just wait a minute. <laughs> We have no rights to our children. How crazy is that? That they only have the rights given to them by the state. And and folks like Elizabeth Bartholet want to dictate what our value system is. Well, of course, because the state is the best at instilling values in people, right? Yeah, actually, they're the best at squashing personal freedom. Exactly. But see, this is the the problem. This is the problem with the mindset of a law professor Mm -hmm. who doesn't understand that the government does not give us rights. Mm -mm. I mean, it's natural law where the, the parent, the child... 
belongs in families. The child is not some sort of de jure ward or property of the state. Mm-hmm. And, but exactly. that's their mindset. Their mindset is that the state owns the child, is property, you know, the, the child is property of the state, and that the state then decides which rights you and me as parents have. Right. And I think when you're even coming from a perspective, like we're revealing that they're coming from that our kids belong to the state, I don't think that there's anything more un-American. Because it, it violates our freedom of religion, our freedom of conscience, our freedom to choose, and our freedom to actually be the parents that we were called to be. Right. I mean, we are the ones who... We procreate. The state as an institution has no mm-hmm. ability to procreate. Mm-mm. I guess here's the bigger problem that I have. When they say that a child literally is property of the state, that the state is the one who possesses all the rights and then confers that, that mm-hmm. those rights onto other people, well, that's slavery. Mm-hmm. Mm. If children are property of the state, then that's slavery. You better pray. And so that's what they're advocating. Right. And we say, heck, no... You heck can't, no. heck no. Just you like that, heck no. Heck no. You can't dictate what I believe or choose to push that on my family without me being allowed to have the ability to choose something other than that. And this is why we advocate for school choice, because we should all have the freedom to choose. Amen. In fact, if you just take a look in Genesis, <laughs> what was given to us? This freedom to choose, this free will, this ability to make decisions based on where our heart is leading us. Our choices lead us to life or they lead us to death. And interestingly, and we'll touch on this a little later in the show, but interestingly, Bartholet is, I'm going to put this in quotes, pro-choice. She's pro-abortion. So she's pro-choice when it comes to killing the life of the unborn child. But somehow, you as a parent, you have no choice. The state controls everything. I thought it was not the church, not the state. Women should decide their fate. But in this case, she's saying, mm-hmm. oh, it's the it's not the church, but it is the state. Mm-hmm. We will decide the parents' fate. Okay. How do you feel about this? When you think about eugenics, right? And you think about how that plays a part in population control, it would make sense that she's saying, hey, the state has control over the population and those that you're choosing or not choosing to bring into this world. And for me, it's the same philosophical mindset that says, I'm going to control what you're doing with your families and with your children. Oh, she completely advocates that. She also advocates, she has a very Sanger-esque worldview Mm. where certain people should not be able to be parents. And she's also saying that just because you're biologically related to a child, that does not give you any rights to that child. Mm. And so... It's such a bizarre worldview that she wants mandatory Mm. inspections of every home in America. I mean, this is this is kind of terrifying. What happened to to protecting your freedom of choice? Don't you love how that euphemism is used in the wrong way? And right, and when but what I'm saying is, she's advocating for choice, aka abortion, and I say choice with my air quotes over here, but. When it comes to us making a choice about our kids' schooling, all of a sudden that whole philosophy goes out the window. It's just the duplicity. It really is. And you know what? When we come back, we're going to talk more about school choice. We'll be right back with Life Has Purpose. Hey, this is Justice Parmaker, and you're listening to Life Has Purpose. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. 
Gotta let the whole world see what is inside me. This little light of mine, now that I know how I can shine, I'll just let the purpose in me take me to my destiny. Listen, download, and subscribe at lifehaspurpose.com or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Welcome back to Life Has Purpose with Ryan Bomberger and Bethany Bomberger. And we're talking about school choice. Yes, we're talking about homeschooling school choice. I love what my sister-in-law, Jackie, she said to me when we were chatting about this morning. She said, we aren't, we as in the homeschoolers, aren't anti-school. We are pro-education. She's yes. a, yeah, she's exactly right because we advocate for school choice. We pray every year, God, what would you have us do with our children? And there were a few years that our kids went to private school, several years that they went to public school. They were in a charter school, some of our kiddos. And there were reasons that we are back home with them homeschooling, but we advocate for the choice. And it not everybody needs to homeschool. And if you get that out of our podcast, you need to start it over and re-listen. Because what we're trying to do is clear up some significant misinformation about homeschooling and help the public understand that actually there are pros and cons in across the board. Absolutely. Because no system is perfect. No. Because humankind isn't perfect. But you know what makes us better? competition right and that's why school choice allows for competition if families were to receive vouchers to put the funds that are right now being allocated directly into this public school system if families were able to uh, make decisions about where that funding went we would have an entirely different system if you think about any other industry if you think about a restaurant industry and if they operated the way the school district operated and they just get their funds then we would probably have subpar restaurants oh my word could you imagine everything has to be the same nope there can't be any common in fact everything has to be american grill that's all you can have right or everything has to be all you know chinese food I mean, no variation, no differentiation, no diversity. But when you think about the restaurants that you choose to go to with your family, you go to those restaurants based on how's the service, how's the food, the cleanliness of the restaurant, because that restaurant owner knows that if they're not the best in those different areas, that they're going to lose the money from their customers. We walk with our money. Right. Okay. And how much more important is schooling Mm -hmm. than a restaurant choice? And yet, I mean, here Harvard is saying that school choice, in in effect, is a harmful thing. It's a dangerous thing. Well, is it a dangerous thing to have all these options at different colleges and universities? Mm-mm. Why isn't there just one type of college? Mm-hmm. And that's it. Sorry. <laughs> no choice. Just double-minded. I mean, it's it's completely hypocritical. And And when you think about the funding, you know, across the board, the national average is about 12,000 per student that is allocated. In each, you know, in the school districts, I mean, we're talking places like New York City and then D.C. New York City is up around $20,000 a kid 
not New York City, New York, the state. It's up at $20,000 a kid. Connecticut, New Jersey aren't far behind that. But you're talking a significant amount of money that if there was more competition and if there was the ability to have a voucher for those funds, we're not talking about pennies here. We're talking about some serious motivation into doing some more excellent programming. Right. And when schools fail, what should a parent do? Should a parent be stuck with the single option? Hmm. And that's what those like Bartlett are saying, that they should not have any option, that public school is superior. Public school should be the only option. And I've worked in inner city communities as you have as a teacher. Mm -hmm. Uh, My capacity was different as a mentor. But why should those stuck in failing schools Mm -hmm. not be able to get out of those failing schools? That's why there's an incredible movie called Miss Virginia. Mm -hmm. And it's all about this mom in D.C. She's, She's a woman who grew up in the South who actually was one of the first ones to be integrated in the segregated schools in Arkansas. So they fought back then during the civil rights era to be able to enter Mm. into public schools, to have access to great education. And now so many are fighting to get out of some public schools that are failing Mm -hmm. and getting all kinds of resistance. Right. But why? And so this uh, Virginia Walden Ford is a great testimony to a parent saying, no, I'm the one who knows what's best for my child. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who's going to fight to make sure my daughter, my son, gets mm-hmm. the best education they possibly can, even if we don't have the financial resources. But I should be able to have access to right. those options. In fact, there's a study, 2015 study from the National Home Education Research Institute, which found black homeschool students to be scoring 23 to 42 percentile points above black public school students. That's huge. Yeah. That's a significant difference, even if it were two to three. Right. And and, above that same study um, also showed that the home educated students typically score across the board 15 to 30 percentile points above public school students on standardized academic achievement tests. It's pretty fascinating. But I guess they're not going to talk about that at the Harvard summit. Right. Homeschooling students score above average on achievement tests, regardless of their parents' level of education. How about that? Mm. I think, too, the fact that the parents are involved in that homeschooling Mm -hmm. situation, that the parental involvement changes everything, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know that as a teacher. Right. Parental involvement changes everything. And I will say that... With my level of education and your level of education, we know there's some things that we need to pull in a separate teacher for or get a curriculum that we're not doing every lesson for. That's just normal and that's okay. But it is important that we recognize the involvement of parents. As a teacher in the public school system, it was a big deal. It was my heart to pull in the parents. We wanted them to have it a vested interest in what their children were learning. That's why we had parent-teacher conferences. That's why schools across the country have PTAs. They have parent-teacher associations. Why? Because it is proven time and time again that when parents are involved, regardless of their socioeconomic level, regardless of their level of education, their ability to love their children enough to be involved at whatever level with their um, successes and their failures allows these students to reach levels of success that they otherwise would not be reaching. You know, it's a parent's involvement in their child's life that unleashes things. A present and involved parent. It helps their kids shine. 
It really does. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Akai, and this is the Life Has Purpose podcast with Ryan and Bethany Bomberger, who are a dun-dun-dun, my parents. The Radiance Foundation illuminates that every human life has purpose. We educate hundreds of thousands about crucial social issues, and we motivate people to positive action. Truth won't take a vacation. That's why we need your generous donation. Tax deductible, stuff is acceptable. Your gifts make illumination possible. Truth won't take a vacation. And here's our little explanation. Defending human dignity never ends. That's why we depend on you, my friend. Go to radiance.life slash donate to make your tax-deductible donation. Thank you for supporting our life-affirming work. Homeschooling really helps kids to shine. And I know that even with my own children, I've been able to watch them flourish in so many ways. I've been able to, you know, Ryan, both of us, we've been able to see different areas of weakness in our children Mm -hmm. and different areas of strength. And where there's weakness, we're able to give a little bit more support. And where they're really soaring, we're able to challenge them and allow them to move forward in in those areas of success and strength. Absolutely. And they also get exposed to things that a lot of public school students don't. I went to public school and our children get to, (laughs) yeah, we were both public schooled and our children get to travel so many places with the Radiance Foundation. They get to travel, you know, across the States and they get to travel outside of the United States. They get to experience culture and different situations in such a different way and learning you know, in real life, Mm -hmm. not just from a textbook, not just from some video online, but they're actually in it. Mm -hmm. And so for the argument against homeschooling, because they lack socialization, look, my kids can hold conversations with adults all day long. long. This is true. In fact, there are so many extracurricular activities available to homeschoolers that they could get involved with their friends doing fencing, speech and debate, choirs, music lessons. We wouldn't even, you know, if we so chose, we wouldn't even have to do math and language because they could literally just hang with people and be in these extracurriculars all day long. Right. Through homeschool co-ops and other opportunities. I mean, it really is, it's really limitless. And this is the beauty because we're not cookie cutter kind of people, Mm -mm. human beings. We all have very specific needs, which is why I think homeschooling, as as we've said before, it may not be for everybody, of course Mm -hmm. not, but we get to tailor it to the child. And we're the ones who control that. Now, Harvard, of course, wants to hold this anti-homeschooling summit, and they're holding that in June. And the title of it is Homeschooling Summit, Problems, Politics, and Prospects for Reform. Super positive. Super They've got no love for homeschooling. And think about this. This summit doesn't include organizations like HSLDA, Mm -hmm. the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, co-founded by by Mike Ferris and Mike Smith. Uh, but they're two white guys, so what do they know? Come you know, on. I love the whole anti-white thing coming from these liberal professors mm-hmm. who are all white. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Goodness. but you know, this the summit doesn't include organizations like HSLDA. 
but it includes, you know, those who actually want to see the state control right. or ban entirely. How about homeschooling. can we all say group think? Yeah. Well, Where why is there fear of allowing there to be other people who actually have have very proven, statistically proven, historically proven evidence to to the contrary to what they're saying. People were homeschooled long before the public school system was developed here in America. Right. Did we forget that? Well, I know. And and the good thing is silver lining here mm-hmm. that there is actually a an event to counter this Harvard anti-homeschooling summit. The event is called the Disinformation Campaign Against Homeschooling. That's pretty sweet and to the point. You can simply just Google that. It's on the Harvard Kennedy Schools website. It's actually on May 1st, and it's an online event, so people can sign up. The speakers will discuss the, as it says on the the website, the dishonest attacks on homeschooling that have been pervasive in the media and academia and also address the failures of public education. Mm. Mm -hmm. I mean, and we know there are lots of public schools teachers who do an amazing job, they a do. Lot of administrators who do a great job. We need to disabuse ourselves of the this crazy notion that somehow public school and the public school system deserves no scrutiny. Right. Of course it does. Any system of schooling does deserve scrutiny, but not this not this seething anti-homeschooling propaganda. That's why we're so glad that there is going to be this counter event, which is sponsored by Ideological Diversity, which is a student organization at Harvard Kennedy School. So this is great. So you just tune in May 1st, Mm -hmm. check it out online. It's a Zoom meeting. I think it's great. See, this is the diversity that we need. We don't need the one-sided thing. Let people hear the information, weigh the information, and come to a reasoned conclusion. Right. Right. Um, It's interesting to flip back to one of the groups that's joining Bartholet is the Coalition for Responsible Home Education, CRHE, which claims that their major concern with homeschooling is child abuse. Which, of course, we would be concerned about in any Any, facet of American life, of course. But what they're doing is they're trying to label homeschoolers as mm. i mean this is the 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 hotbed of of child abuse come on and of course that's the underlying theme in Bartholet's 80 page paper it's about homeschoolers and child abuse that's why homeschooling in her estimation is so dangerous to society it's ridiculous right and child abuse is abhorrent absolutely bottom line it happens at the homes of kids regardless of where they go to school it even happens at school sometimes and we need to protect children because even one incident of child abuse will affect a child for really for a lifetime but it's interesting when you look at the homeschool parent uh, motivation. You know, we're, we choose to file state paperwork, to choose curriculum for our kids. We invest in our children. We are motivated by this joy of learning and an understanding of morals and values. It is our heart to prepare our kids for adulthood. And this desire to nurture and to protect a child is really not a typical profile for an abuser or one who's going to neglect their children. Now, I will say that's not to say that it is not happening because there are some cases, but Ryan, those cases are the fringe examples, but they not love the norm. Yeah, but the progressives love the fringe examples. They do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Look at the issue of abortion. They use you know cases of rape and incest to justify 100% of abortions, even though those 
horrific cases happen less than 1% of the time. I was conceived in rape. Mm -hmm. I am that fringe example that they're always using to justify. And they're doing the exact same thing here. But it would be just as unfair for us to say, you know, remember that years ago, the uh, Detroit school board president mm -hmm. who was illiterate. Do we then say, wait a minute, we've got an issue on our hands, school board presidents, mm -hmm. there's a there's a high illiteracy rate among school board presidents. Of course we don't. That's a fringe mm -hmm. example that doesn't define the demographic, but that's exactly what Harvard is trying to do with homeschoolers. Yeah. If in fact child abuse is the central issue here, you would think that with the numbers doubling among homeschoolers, that you would also see a significant increase in child abuse and neglect. Right. The actual numbers from the latest study that we could find on the Department of Education said that the number of students homeschooled increased from 850,000, and that's in 1999, to 1,690,000 in 2016. And it's actually increased since then. This shows us here on that it, they actually doubled, nearly doubled. Doubled. So then following the Harvard logic, wouldn't child maltreatment cases then double? It's really an argument that doesn't hold water because it is simply untrue. It is untrue. Yeah. And and you can easily find that out. Looking at the Department of Health and Human Services, they issue an annual report called Child Maltreatment where they show the number of cases. And so when you look at 1999 through 2016, that same time frame that mm -hmm. homeschooling doubled, the number of victims of child abuse and neglect significantly dropped. Hmm. They dropped actually between 1999 and 2016 by 150,000. So in, in 1999, 826,000 children were victims, were tragically victims of abuse and neglect. And the victimization rate was 11.8 per 1,000 children. Fast forward to 2016, 676,000 children were victims of abuse and neglect in 2016. That's less. That's far less. And the child victimization rate is lower, 9.1. So if homeschooling has increased exponentially, right. and yet child maltreatment has declined, where's their argument? Right. Although at the at the end of the day and the beginning of the day, the mistreatment of children, the abuse of children should never be tolerated. And even those numbers that you're saying to me are too high. But to tie the the causation factor to homeschooling is is baloney. And this is the thing. This is what upsets me is when you have a situation of abuse and this kind of tragic situation with the child abuse and then it's exploited. exploited. Mm-hmm. That's right. wrong. It is. Life has purpose. Hey, this is Justice Barmiger, and you're listening to Life Has Purpose. Every week, Ryan's articles appear on various news outlets. Each week, we'll feature one of his latest commentaries. It's time for some fearless factivism. Harvard heritage and pro-choice hostility. College campuses tend to reflect foreign nations with limited speech rights instead of the land of the free and home of the brave. The exchange of ideas has so many caveats and unspoken disclaimers that it's easy to forget in the university that there's a First Amendment. Safe spaces have replaced robust discourse, sheltering too many from the non-monolithic marketplace of ideas. Harvard's motto used to be Veritas Christo et Ecclesia, which translates into Truth for Christ and the church, as the school was established to train missionaries. Today it is simply veritas, or truth, severed from the original source, left to be subjective and ultimately, as we see with abortion, destructive. Knowing truth is a constant pursuit, and it takes initiative. I truly applaud the Law Students for Life 
and the Black Law Students Association for creating an opportunity for truth to be spoken on an Ivy League campus. They invited me to Harvard Law School to address abortion's alarming disproportionate impact in the black community. Harvard Law professor Diane Rosenfeld, who teaches courses on gender violence, law, and social justice, was invited to offer a pro-abortion view. Sadly, we were prohibited by the pro-choice professor from recording the event. She even threatened to cancel the event the night before because she said it was horrible that the event flyer associated abortion with death. I guess people shouldn't associate sky with clouds either. Her focus on violence and rape is ironic, considering she supports the violence of abortion and Planned Parenthood, which has repeatedly failed to report rape. The abortion chain was caught aiding and abetting sexual predators in live-actions undercover video expose. I was conceived in rape, so protecting the innocent is my passion. In typical liberal fashion, she called my adoption story where a birth mom who experienced the horror and violence of rape proved she was stronger than her circumstances and chose life for her child, a, quote, cute story, end quote. It became immediately apparent that Rosenfeld knew nothing about the central theme of the event. She had to have talking points given to her by the Harvard Law Students for Reproductive Justice, none of which addressed the premise. She filled her time invoking buzzwords that define women's studies programs, you know, like victim and bodily integrity and sexual coercion and gender violence, and sounded eerily reminiscent of Margaret Sanger as she repeatedly stated only wanted children are worthy of life. It was surreal to hear the mocking laughter, jeers, and mistimed finger-snapping throughout my brief 15-minute presentation. I shared my personal story, dispelled the myth of the unwanted child, talked about more black babies being aborted than born alive in New York City, and provided historical and statistical context to the issue. It was obvious the more vocal pro-choice students didn't want context, they wanted confusion. The responses during an hour-long Q&A came flooding out in macro-aggressive tirades that desperately avoided the alarming racial disparities in abortion. I dared to challenge the often empty rhetoric that hashtag Black Lives Matter if time and place determine the value of human life. One of the students angrily declared that as a man, I would never lose my bodily autonomy. As a father, I lose my bodily autonomy every day. I lovingly sacrifice for my wife and my children. I give of my body, just as mothers do in a different way, to provide, to nurture, to protect, to educate, to console, to play, to instruct, to do whatever I need to do, no matter the physical cost to my perpetually exhausted body. Self-sacrifice is a far higher virtue than a narcissistic and unrealistic notion of bodily autonomy. Professor Rosenfeld at one point began talking about the women's suffrage movement and alluded to some unidentified photograph of a coalition of seven white men who allegedly opposed the suffragists. Rosenfeld and pro-abortion advocates have no problem with seven white men in black robes who ruled in our nation's Supreme Court that one group of human beings, abortionists, who were mostly white men, could kill another group of human beings, the unborn. I was laughed at when I suggested fatherlessness has a huge impact in the black community, where 72.3% of children are born to unmarried mothers. Many of these Harvard social justice warriors are fighting for the billion-dollar oppressor and not the defenseless and mutilated oppressed. But I am hopeful. Courageous students on campus across the country, including Harvard Law School, are challenging the misinformed status quo. 
The Radiance Foundation is honored to help equip others with powerful, life-affirming tools that deliver the emotional and the evidential to illuminate the truth that makes us all equal. I'm Ryan Bomberger, and you're listening to the Life Has Purpose podcast. You can read this commentary at radiance.life slash Harvard and read more of my op-eds at radiance.life slash news. That was crazy for all of the prep that went on before you went to the Harvard presentation. And then to understand even how the students spoke to you, the foul language that they used, the absolute disrespect, it honestly threw us for a loop. Yeah, I expected more from an Ivy League school. I assumed that the students would actually know the content of what we were discussing and would actually bring some substance. Unfortunately, the pro-abortion activists had nothing really to offer. But look, so many people think these Ivy League schools are omniscient. You know, they they have to be smart. Mm. No, sometimes they say and do the dumbest things. I mean, just going to be honest. (laughs) I mean, the professor I debated didn't know anything about Mm -hmm. the topic of abortion's impact in the black community. But her arrogance, it really... Mm -hmm. it really threw me. And, you know, it didn't stop her from pretending that she was an authority. Right. And the same applies to Professor Bartholet. She's an adoptive mother who believed as a single parent she had the fundamental right to her adopted children, but parents don't have the natural right to their biological children. Well, that doesn't even make any sense. The bigger issue is that she sees these children as property, you know, property of the state. Uh, well, except in her case, right. of course, right? Right. You know, mm-hmm. what applies to me, you know, doesn't mm-hmm. apply to, mm-hmm. to others. And then add to the mix the fact that she's radically pro-abortion, which reinforces the idea that children are merely property. Yeah. Bartholet, in an online article for the leftist American Prospect magazine, she wrote this, quote, anti-abortion forces have pushed adoption as the only appropriate route for the woman who does not want or feel able to raise the child she is carrying. End quote. Well, first of all, that's not true. Apparently, she's never heard of a pregnancy Mm. resource center or a maternity home. We don't push adoption as the only alternative. There are two parenting choices, the parenting choice of adoption and the parenting choice of deciding I'm going Mm -hmm. to be that child's parent. They're two very powerful choices. But we don't say, sorry, you only have adoption. As, mm. as that only choice. But adoption is a beautiful choice. I was adopted. I yes. love, we're adoptive the parents. parents. Yes, we have yes. four kiddos. Two of our kiddos are adopted. So our but family she goes would on. be incomplete without that, without adoption. Absolutely. We'd be, could you imagine no, not being in that picture? Nor do I want to. And she <laughs> goes on to, to say, quote, anti-abortion forces have helped create the impression that to be pro-adoption is to be anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. But there is no necessary inconsistency. I can't even believe she says this. Mm. There is no necessary inconsistency between abortion rights and adoption rights. And we should not let abortion opponents hoodwink us so easily. First of all, there's a huge difference between a child being alive and a child being dead. That is the difference between abortion so-called rights Mm. and adoption rights. A child has the fundamental right to be alive. Yes, so abortion rights and adoption rights are incompatible. Mm-hmm. Mm. There you have it. Come on. 
um, she was speaking at another at an adoption conference and Bartholet declares, she says, quote, we share the idea that all human beings count their human rights count, whether they are one month, one year, 10 years or 100 years of age. Well, Elizabeth, that should include the unborn, of yes. course, and the parents who bring every child into this world. Parents should count. Absolutely. Children should count. But in Bartholet's worldview, you know, parents are the hindrance to the situational rights of the child. Who cares more about your children than you as the parent? Mm. Granted, there are the exceptions, but the rule is that a parent knows what is best. A parent fights for what is best. Babe, we fight for right. our kids right. in every every aspect of life. I, I always say this, like, before you have children, there's no parent class that you have to take. So there's no perfect parents, and we understand that, and we recognize that there are parents that have a lot of areas to grow, and there are issues in parenting and issues in family, but there's no bureaucracy, no politically driven propaganda, no Ivy League tower that will ever replace what a parent is by nature to a child, which the ultimate protector and provider. There's so much more that we could talk about. Yes, I mean, I know. It's, it's almost like you just scratched the surface. I know. Okay, so hopefully, you know, you feel a little bit scratched, but <laughs> there's so much more. There's some resources that, that help you navigate through all of this. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're not in this alone. You're, You're never in this alone. So there's some great resources that right. you have, babe. If, if you aren't familiar with HSLDA, which is the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, look them up, hslda.org, and become a member. It's totally worth it. There's so much information, even if you are not a member, but it's definitely worthwhile if you are a homeschooling family or if you're thinking about homeschooling. Honestly, they have so much information from statistical information to help if you are having issues at any level in any way. They have folks there that will pick up the phone and talk to you. They also have lots of information, even about, you know, transcripts for when you're in high school. And it's absolutely an incredible wealth of information and it's national. You know, it's like, it's not just about a state because of course there are a lot of state um, websites and organizations that will help you in the states that you're in. And hey, if you're on Facebook or social media, there are thousands of groups and support groups for um, the homeschooling families. There's also the Educational Freedom Institute, which exists to research, document, and report the benefits that school choice provides to students, families, and communities. So that's another great resource. There's also actually a federal government resource that people should check out from the U.S. Department of State. If you Google homeschooling and online education, they have a great portal there that gives all kinds of resources, all kinds of information about homeschooling and homeschooling resources and curricula. Hey, Ryan, another good one is edchoice.org. Ed as in education, edchoice.org. Fantastic, easy to use. And whether you're a parent or an educator, a policymaker, a researcher, or somebody from the media, and you want to understand the tenets of school choice, this is a place to go. And it is our duty as citizens and as parents who care about the education, not only of our children, but how that's going to impact our society as a whole. It's our duty to actually use these resources and to educate ourselves. You're not alone in this. You're not alone as a parent. You're not alone, whether your child goes to public school, private school, charter school or is homeschooling. You are not alone. And we want you to feel that sense of being supported so that you understand that your life as a parent has purpose. Whatever may come your way.
to know what you think of the podcast. Go to lifehaspurpose.com and give us your feedback. You can also listen and download our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Remember, whatever may come your way. And no matter what people say, your your life life has purpose. purpose.